Hi, everybody. This is PJ here at the top of the show, letting you know that due to a hand injury, Crossland is kind of working through some difficulty and we are unable to record our episode at our normal time, which means we're pushing it to next week. So instead, we are presenting to you a short pour that we had been planning on putting out on the 11th medal. I hope you enjoy and I apologize for this delay, but we will resume our coverage of Mistborn Era 2 next week. Welcome to Words and Whiskey Short Pours, a monthly podcast where we have a fun time discussing fictional worlds and the people that create them, all while boozing just a little bit. My name is Cross, and today I'm joined by my illustrious co-host PJ, and we are going to be chatting about The 11th Metal, a short story that takes place inside of Mistborn Era 1 by Brandon Sanderson. Kind of a prequel to the whole thing. Obviously, with that, please note, we finished Era 1 at this point. We're going to be talking about all of Era 1. So, PJ... Hello. Hi. Hello. Yeah, we, we have finished Arrow 1. We are going to be talking about it, but this is before that, which is pretty cool. Sure. Certainly a different yeah. kind of vibe than what we're used to, but I enjoyed this book. Story. Yeah. This chapter of a story. Yeah, it's it's effectively this is why like I didn't want to necessarily devote. I remember when I was going through and planning the schedule, I didn't want to give this one a full episode by any stretch. But I was like, we could do a micro short pour this week or like last week. I can't remember when we thought of it. And I was like, oh, it's you know, it's like a chapter Mm -hmm. and a half roughly in terms of length. So we could do a little short pour on it. So we are here. We are doing a doing a little episode. I think this is going to be our first short short pour. And I know like that's knock on wood, but we we tend to still go quite a quite a ways it's true we are just a, we have a tendency to be a little long-winded so with that i think it makes sense for us to get into what we're drinking today on the show and uh, i'll let you start it's intentionally we're trying to make this short so yeah i just have a beer today it is called ridged chips from eagle park eagle park brewing company it's a hazy ipa with Status, Citra, Lotus, and Mosaic Hops. Brewed in collaboration with three sellers. I'm not familiar with them. But yeah, just a very, very solid New England. Nothing super standout about it, but impressed by it. I dig that. It's, I mean, the can art is super cool, folks. I know obviously you can't see it, but it it gives me like first grade, kindergarten, stitched together, quilts, like very homey elementary school vibes. All sort of based on sort of picnic, picnic vibes. Yeah. Grill out also barbecue that, I, vibes. I was even just saying about the coloring and the art styling. That's like true. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yes. What about you, Crossland? What are you drinking? Oh, it's really simple, PJ. I'm having a very dry martini. Define very yeah, dry mean, for, for us. Well, so, you know, the sausage gets made in a particular way inside of the show and generally, we would be having a cocktail. However, I swapped up diets recently and didn't quite prepare correctly. So, PJ, what I'm sipping on is a shot of vodka. 
It's a very dry martini. I can't have a beer because of the diet. And I, I have to, I, you know, I could have a martini, but I actually, in addition to not having the time, I do remember while sitting here, I don't have the prerequisite vermouths on. Yeah. You're two so ingredients away from the martini. Yeah. So it is an extra dry. <laughs> it's just vodka. You know, it's fine. Um, You're not even drinking good. it out of a, of a martini glass. You no, have a I'm hundred percent drinking it out of my little tiny beaker shot glass. We forgive you. Also, lets me know that I'm, I drink precisely what I drink. It's Reikia. It's so good. Folks at home, we don't rant about Reikia to you almost immediately unless you are a patron, in which case you can hear all of our various devil's cuts in which we talk about so much stuff. But more often than not, we start by talking about how good Reikia vodka is. Um, That's true. Every almost every time. Unofficial official sponsor. All right. With that, let's get into the 11th medal. Starting off, we've been doing this lately. How do you feel about the story overall? What were kind of your overall thoughts of this short story and short entry? We've dipped into Era 2. We're not going to talk about Era 2, but now dipping back into Era 1. What do you think? It was a bit of a shock as far as like just jumping into a completely different culture. And at that, a completely different culture from what we were used to before. But at the same time, kind of nostalgic. I'd been missing the power that Kelsier provides as a character. And while he's young here, it's evident how strong he is. And it's really kind of cool to see him grow up a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, there there is like a slight question of like how far away this is from the events of the Final Empire. But that said... It does feel like a you you almost don't want to say like immature because Kelsier is fully mature, but he hasn't changed into the person that we see him as fully in the final empire yet. Mm-hmm. We do have so, sort of a timeline, right? We've you can roughly assemble a timeline. Yes. Because mm-hmm. he says it's it like takes a, a couple okay. months out from when he left the pits. Yes. And when we meet him in Mistborn, it's like two years. That sounds right. It's some, something like that. Yeah. There's not even a good timeline on 17th Shard because they can't really work it out. Okay. Roughly. Yes. Somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere in that realm. In, enough time where he became an expert with his elementic capabilities. And we have heard the name Gemmel before. He's He was mentioned a couple of times in the Final Empire. So this is not, you know, this is on our first brush with him which is cool to finally get to see like, Oh, the guy who trained Kelsier and come on, like he's not, did you expect this out of Gemmel? He's he's a wild dude. (laughs) There's a Uh, character in, I I'm not super well versed in avatar, the last airbender, but there's a character in that show that I remember that I imagine when, when hearing this, the description of Gemmel, do you know who I'm talking about? Some old Hager dude. Yeah, sorry. Are you talking about the his Earthbender friend of whom ends up becoming the king or the emperor of the Earth Kingdom? Yeah, I yep. I also forget his name. My brain said Shibumi when you said that. I don't think that's right. But anyway, point being, um, yes, I totally know exactly who you're talking about. I don't know if you had looked at the art that's at the front of this short story at all. But it has a depiction of Gemmel. I did not. In, in it, right next to Kelsier. I, I'll just send it to you because I've got it up here. It is, it, yes, 
uh, basically my my end point being here yeah that's pretty much spot on for like my thought as well when i was reading it and the kind of descriptions of him he is a haunted kind of looking um old man <laughs> with like blown out hair almost exactly as you described um maybe just add like a full I, beard that enshrouds his entire face like a sun like it's i might have seen this okay. and like subconsciously that's why i thought about it like that that could be mm-hmm. the case yeah that makes sense. It also that that same image that's in our Kingdom Unbounded is a really great depiction, I think, and a really unique depiction of the mist cloak. That's the other thing that I really liked from that image. So mm-hmm. just the writing is it gives it a, even a more ethereal feel than it has even in the story because of the way the wind's blowing against it. Yeah, the way it's described in the book is more like tassels off like the the tail of a coat, kind of. Mm-hmm. In, I mean, that's if if a cloak had a tail, that's kind of how it's described in my mind. But this comes mm-hmm. off of kind of the back and shoulders and everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a very cool depiction. And it's cool also to see Kelsier there smiling smugly and old man Gemmel, who in the depiction also looks like he's missing an eye. So. Oh, man, he's he's definitely definitely a kooky one. But to get to the actual story itself, we open the story with Kelsier well before the events of the final empire. And his internal monologue is very different than what we see or hear in that original trilogy. I think the original trilogy, the first book, he doesn't make it past that. Isn't it crazy how he sounds even much even like more closely associated with thievery? Like he sounds like a grounded thief here. I love the way that it starts that way. And that's what he's trying to break. Which mm-hmm. I find more interesting is that he's trying to break that thought process and Gemmel's trying to break it of him as well of something that he's so good at. And if he had just embraced that more, it would have been really, really interesting how the interactions with the crew would, would have been differently. But I actually, interestingly enough, I think this depiction adds a lot of complexity to comparing like Vin and her inability to merge those two sides of her together right away and how they conflicted and competed and how Kelsier just buried one under the other, basically. Like, he still has some of the thieving crew elements, but even as you think to what he was actually trying to accomplish, a lot of it wasn't... It It was a con man game in the long run, sure, but it, he wasn't exactly pulling off a great heist or anything. Mm-hmm. You know? But then there's the... for For better or worse his instinct was to go into it nonviolently and subtly Mm -hmm. infiltration as opposed to just straight up violence like Gemmel is pushing him towards. Yeah. And Gemmel is pushing him that way, of course, because of something that's going on in his head. Gemmel is, as we're introduced, like we described him previously, quite, nutty not only in physical appearance the disheveled scratchy gruff old man but in addition he's just sort of a general oddity throughout the story the mists are repulsed by him as he's flying through versus kelsier's kind of feeling their touch and their lick on his legs and kind of seeing them all over the place Uh, he's talking to random voices that no one else can hear and seems to be muttering to himself a whole lot you know what what about what about gemmel well there is a comment made in this book that talks about Ruin's influence on Kelsier. And it makes me wonder if that influence is through Gemmel or if there was separate, like direct influence of Ruin on Kelsier. But 
it seems pretty clear. I mean, just the, through the context clues and through what we know about hemallergy, he's got a hemallergic spike somewhere on his body, and he is talking mm-hmm. to ruin. Like, that, that's that got to be the case. So I'm assuming the comment about ruin's influence on Kelsier is this through Gemmel. Yeah, I, I think almost entirely, right? Because Kelsier was not weak of will or mind, didn't have any hemallergic spikes. So, yeah. That we know. I think it's entirely, well, yeah. It would be so dicey to introduce that after the fact. Yeah, I would feel very cheated. (laughs) If it was so much more direct versus like, basically what Ruin does is he sets him on a path and he already has, like Kelsey already has all the ingredients to want the revenge that he seeks because of what happened in the pits of Hathstane and because of the Lord Ruler's actions. So like he doesn't need that much more of a shove, but he did need some tools to get there, which is what Gemmel is giving him in terms of helping him train with power and, you know, teaching him to act and behave a certain way is a much more subtle touch which is also, according to what we know before Ruins let out, all he was really able to do was talk directly with spiked people and even then subtly and not nearly as powerfully as he could later in the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is why you have all those examples of God in the head, you know, from Zane and whatnot. And obviously, at the same time, Gemmel is clearly affected with the same sort of penchant for killing and murder by Ruin, likely saying the same thing of like, kill him, kill him, kill him all, you know? It seems, especially based on his reaction. And, you know, to to the point of what we were saying about Kelsier, it feels like it kind of forges him into a more blunt instrument when before he was a deft knife a lot of the time. It's well, seemed. but I'll put up the argument that this allows him to think with the idea of violence being an option. Whereas yeah. otherwise, I think he'd go about everything nonviolently, which could be noble he could be good and he'd get probably pretty far, but he wouldn't get nearly as far as he does. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that definitely this is ruin and or Gemmel like enabling him to get a lot further by turning him into more of a tool to actually take out the Lord ruler and kind of create this mythos and mythology. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I don't think that he would be. I'm not necessarily saying that one's better than the other or anything like that. I'm just saying that this is like you can see where the character changes to some degree from a knife to a hammer. And capabilities change when that happens. You know, a knife is really ineffective at taking out rocks. And this is a really big boulder that he has to break in the form of the final empire. So, you know. Yeah. It, is, it does bring up a good sort of thought experiment, though. What happens to Vin if this doesn't happen to Kelsier? Mm. Well, they caught on to Vin because of her little thievery moment. So I feel like he still would have latched into Vin. I feel like that's hard to yeah, but circumvent. What does she become? She becomes mm. forged in Kelsier's image as it stands. Yeah, yeah. Which would um, be more subtle and less violent. Well, I guess I guess that's a great, great point. She would still probably be the knife because she sees the, a more noble side to what Kelsier was doing, which I think is maybe an argument that we could make a little bit is that, like, she becomes what Kelsier could have been had he not been taught by Gemmel, maybe? Yeah. You know? Fair. I'm not I'm not saying that holistically, you know, thought experiment, right? Like, I, I mm-hmm. don't know if I have perfectly solid feet to stand on, but I feel like that's a point. Yeah, that's fair. I, I didn't even mean to bring up the knife conversation. I was just thinking <sighs> a deft weapon and mm-hmm. we fully circled the drain. Exactly. I do want to bring up kind of the the premise of this book as a whole, which is that it is 
an insert into a game book. Like this is entirely for an RPG system. And so it is meant to also give you an introduction and an explainer on how the world and allomancy and sort of the tone of the world works on the whole. So it does what every other Mistborn story does in the way that it tells you basically what all of the metals do and explains them some through action, some not and the way that they, the blue lines pop out it's all it's classic Mistborn, but it's just repeated to such a degree and reinforced here because it has to be for the game book that it's in. Right. Yeah. There's the postscript Mm -hmm. at the, after the last page of the book talking about from uh, Brandon Sanderson's point of view, talking about why he wrote this and the idea being to give flavor to the world of anybody who hasn't read the books yet. And I think it does a pretty good job of that. We only hit some of the medals we mostly get a description of steel and iron, which is honestly probably good enough. They're the most complicated and most, they're the ones that need the most nuance in description. Whereas the other ones can be very easily explained like, Oh, it increases your stamina or tin increases your vision and perception. Stuff Even like that, that we get an explainer on though. Like the fact that he can see through the mist because of tin, which again is a parallel. We talked about that recently and, you know relatively recently on an episode yeah yeah so, so yeah you do raise a fair point it does bring up all of the metals but not not everything gets ex- explored as widely as steel and iron do of course like they talk for a bit about emotional almancy because he goes from going th- thievery to like well i can i can push and pull on emotions then and Gemma's like no you can just fucking kill him just fucking kill him stop with all of this nonsense i do want to try this game at some point do you know if it's mm-hmm available yeah totally it's commercially available okay we should play it yeah it'd be a fun thing to do on a catacomb party one shot or some yeah. such the 17th shard is doing a podcast called diceborn i think it's a once monthly show if i remember correctly where they're mm-hmm. basically doing a playthrough but they're doing it within era two because there's an era two expansion book so gotcha mm. and some more uh interesting setups and rules there so so I yeah. can't watch it. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't think so. Not until not until like December. You know, it's not that far away. I mean, that might there. be when I find time anyway. True. That said, I did want to make mention, of course, of this flower that Kelsier is drawing all the way back in the beginning. We've been talking kind of a little bit all over the place, but there's this picture of a flower that Kelsier is drawing on a little sheet to try and remember the the photo that Mare had and sort of this really, in the end, fairly critical little piece of information here or fairly important theme and motif throughout the story. This is an artifact that's carried throughout the whole story. What would you think? I think it it makes some final decisions and like the resolution of the story even more touched by Kelsier, if that makes sense, because this isn't... <laughs> necessarily what the flower actually looked like and it got revived and recreated in mayor's image but it's really kelsier's interpretation of mayor's image so it's kind of a funny little note to tack on there but does make sense i mean it's it's a focus for kelsier to remember mayor yeah and and that makes sense and i think it's a really it, it becomes something that's so central as it's also shared between characters over time as sort of this passing of the torch of Kelsier. And and you could say of like Mare's dream for the future in, in its own right. Um, mm-hmm. And as that goes from individual to individual, going from 
uh, that to Sazed to Spook and just kind of the the whole allotment as it starts to hand its way down, I think is it's a fantastic little image. Great point, though, on there's a lot of sort of there's a lot that's a little mushy here that's not perfectly well defined of like, did Kelsier maybe in the intervening time between this story and the book find it or did he just get really good at drawing it? Because in the story, he's he's said to have drawn it like a dozen if time at this mm-hmm. point. Is it just that he got so good and he actually was able to draw it decently or did he actually go back and get the photo? Fo- like, it's a, it totally up in the air. Right. That's true. I but at least it's more, your, it's more yeah. context than what we had mm-hmm. before. But I guess technically it, it is more muddy. Yeah. Context muddied the water a little bit. But I think it does make it interesting, like you were saying, because there is that bonus question of like, was this, is this flower that is blooming at the end of era one fictitious, not a fictitious creation necessarily, but a, an artificial creation based on Kelsier's draw. Like if I drew a fucking plant and you became God and had to do something with it, I would feel so bad because I'm so bad at drawing. Those plants would look awful. They'd look so Um, fucking bad. They would look so bad. They would look like worse than pixel art. Like so bad, so bad. Um, It'd be kind of funny though. I'd love to seed the world with drawings that you made (laughs) because that is a nightmare. Oh man. But in the most com comic way, it's like all of the in in the Nintendo game canon. It's like all of the WarioWare game drawings that are everywhere that are like super fucked up version of Mario stuff. But worse. Yeah, that's like my drawing, but way worse. Yeah, that's like intentionally obtuse. Mm-hmm. I just lack that physical dexterity. I just I love that idea now where I'm like, huh, maybe the flower isn't really the real original flower now. And mm-hmm. That's I don't think it is a little bit because yeah. it's described that Kelsier carries it around in his pocket in both the first book and in this one. And I think if he found the photo, he wouldn't just carry it around like that anymore. Maybe he would. Maybe he would. He probably but. would. Yeah. But even then, like there's also a question raised, I think, in general. And we know that the Larsta, the religion that Mare worships, that worships the plants and flowers and stuff like that is one that is also of creativity and stuff like that. So it makes a lot of sense that it would like overlap a little bit with this flower and sort of the natural beauty of things. But when you describe something as a photo, I'm thinking camera. Is it a painting? Would it age? Like that's where I also think that Kelsier's drawing also makes more sense because it would be something that's a little bit newer. It might hold up a little bit better. He could have done it with something that looks a little bit more permanent. Didn't have color. So painting feels weird. The color was described, though. I think that was verbally. That was just verbal. Yeah, I think it was just Kelsey talking in the moment about the flowers and the green grass and like the the sort of what we would call vibrant. But what Vin thought was very strange Mm -hmm. as far as a landscape could be the idea that grass would be green and whatnot. So. Right. True. Yeah. So. We have to talk about our antagonist here, of course, and we get to the entire point of the core of the story is that a Gemmel is training Kelsier to be a Mistborn. B, there are some metals or there are some new potential metals that are here that he wants that Gemmel wants to take from Lord Shesler as he's heard about them. Particularly, of course, it's the namesake of the story. It's the 11th metal that they're finding inside of this place. And there's all of these people in the basement that are being experimented on and treated very poorly. 
and it's it's the big oof. They're they're being you know mistreated with metal and, and abused in various ways, killed, starved. They're attempting to snap them, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Attempting to snap them and then test metals if they if they snap. And Lord Chesler, absolute fucker. This story is definitely one of the darker entries in Mistborn, period, bar none, of at the very least the original trilogy, but and definitely the darkest that we read so far. I brought up at one point the idea of sacrificing Ska to make an army and like 16% of the time you'll find someone is basically mm-hmm. kind of the way I framed it. He, this guy's actually doing that and it's fucked. Yeah, it's super fucked. Super Reminds fucked. me a lot of the the road in, in that book and sort of the sequence where people are locked under the floorboards. Ugh. Anyway, what it reminds me of initially, and I, I know there are like real world parallels and like examples that this is derived from, but that said from the Wolfenstein games, that's the vibe I got off of this guy. Just total fucked experimentation. Yeah. Without, without purpose and against the people that, you know, are dehumanized. Mm-hmm. So yeah, totally. It does give me really big Death's Head vibes from Wolfenstein New Order. Yeah, great game. It's, it's great game. Uh, fucked character, <laughs> fucked antagonist. Yeah, I love that comparison, and I do enjoy how dark this story is. Not in particular because of the implications of Shesler itself, but it does feel like through Shesler. I think I brought this up near the end of our Cure uh, of Ages coverage, maybe in the wrap up episode even. But a lot of Brandon's writing paints even the worst of our antagonists for the most part, with a couple of exceptions, as good people innately, or like mostly innately good people. And this does paint a guy as just an awful, absolute trash piece of shit, which is good because we we get a little bit of vindication in his death. Yeah, you get you get to just kill him. the The closest one that we get is Sean Alario. Straff. Yeah, but those oh, two. Straff. Fucking Straff. Those two, those two basically. Though. Zane. Yeah, but Zane. But like, Zane, Zane's more complicated Zane's, than that. Zane's more like Gemmel. Yeah. Yeah. But the point being is that you're still like, we're still counting on one hand for three massive books. The number of, you know, super bad people, human antagonists inside of the story. And it's nice to have Shesler from the perspective of him being someone who is definitely bad and does paint a negative picture on the noble group on the whole, which also reinforces Kelsier's views that like all nobles are bad. Totally get it. But you know, kind of seeds, seeds him with the worst one. Yeah. It seeds him with a terrible example, which again, there, there is that underlying question of like the overall implication of this story is the influence of ruin on Kelsier's path. Right. And be that, that direct influence through Gemmel in which we, can assume is spiked and the reason that he's talking to himself and everything else, the 11th metal being brought to attention, really kind of setting up a lot of that mythology. So including things like reinforcing Kelsier's hate for noblemen, the fact that we also get it exposed here that Kelsier and Marsh were raised basically in noble houses and then make their way out and become, you know, embrace kind of the half ska side of themselves is also a really fascinating reveal because it puts him on like a similar tone to Breeze, Breeze. but Breeze isn't half Scott. Yeah, there's that. I felt like we already knew that, though. Mm. Maybe we didn't know that he was raised there, but. Yeah, I don't think we got that extent of information. Yeah, maybe not. 
but that is yeah good to point out because i feel like vin would have used it against him you know what i mean like i feel like vin would have that's true set of arguments been like you were raised in a noble house you prick maybe we got it from marsh later that could be it that would make more sense yeah i mean okay point core point being though like this is mostly new information yeah or at the very least new in presentation from kelsier mm-hmm. so Painsome is a little bit of an unreliable narrator now that i think about it too even though maybe it's just a small oversight on brandon's part but it does does end a l- lend a little bit of like you telling us the whole truth buddy yeah one thing i have a question about is how does gemmel know about this experimentation happening and as a an answer to that lord Shesler has he spiked himself accidentally with a spike that he killed somebody with and got ruins sort of influence. And that's how ruin knows about this happening and tells it to Gamble. Like I could see that being the sort of path through things that or Shesler spiked someone like a ska in experimentation. Those are my two thoughts as well. I, I, I don't think yeah. there's any necessary immediate clarity to that, but it's very clear that Ruin has information about this location and then positioned Gemmel as such. We're talking about this with authority over the end of the books, right? Like we ha- this has to have worked that way, given kind of our understanding of the system at large. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think that that's the most likely case. The only other case that I can think of was the second one I brought up with like spiking a ska as an experiment, but. He doesn't seem to be experimenting in hemallergy so much as just general torture to snap people and then testing different metals. Right. So alloys. Can we say, I know that this is kind of something that we maybe could have talked about a long time ago, but the fact that Kelsier has a whole bar of malatium, like a lot of malatium, how much atium is in, is in the alloy? You know what I mean? Like, because ATM is small, rare, and expensive, so stealing this like bar is a lot of a lot of metal. Regardless, he ends up with this you know brick of malatium. That's a fuck ton of ATM to get it to stabilize to this other metal. Also, we know that the Lord Ruler. I guess he wasn't really he was experimenting with hemology more or less, so it wouldn't be mm, not quite the same. But I was mm-hmm. just picturing. But yeah, yeah. Hmm, yeah. And just sort of the idea that like Ruin has had his hand so heavy in the game from so early. It's something that we fully explore instead of Hero of Ages, right? But just even this extra little bit to say that Kelsier was this influenced, like, yeah, <laughs> it's just that extra tipping on the scale to, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really point to Kelsier more as a pawn. It's so cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. It makes it so much more complicated, but also for me it makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. I like I like the extra context that this gave. I I think it's great. I would agree with you. I think that it does a great job providing ample points to show Kelsier's growth and to give him a little bit more of something as he is such a necessary character for the foundational change that we see throughout Mistborn Era 1 and like setting up Vin and setting up Spook and like creating this group that transcends a crew and to see that he started off on improper footing to get to where he wanted to go despite the best of intentions is great i think Mm -hmm. i think it's a great little great little nudge i agree 
So I think to that point, I've got one more thing that I kind of wanted to talk about here. And that's Kelsier's dealing with like an interesting degree of numbness throughout the story and a lot of emotional change. We talked a little bit earlier about this idea that like he's he's shifting in terms of moving away from a thief towards being a mistborn. But you can even see like different moments of personality clash and PTSD from the the pits kind of rear their ugly head a couple of times. And it's something that we kind of see throughout the first book of Mistborn, where he goes from like emotionally on to emotionally despondent, specifically like when he turns into hammer mode versus when he's talking to Vin. Hammer mode meaning like going and killing all of the the people in the Tikiel keep, I think if I remember correctly. Not the yeah, Captain Hammer mode where the hammer no, is not my Captain penis. Hammer. <laughs> no, he never goes Captain Hammer. Mara's dead. <laughs> I recently finished a book series in which the lead protagonist was definitely a virgin and so much happened. And I was like, you didn't once fuck like you didn't. Okay. (laughs) But just to kind of bounce off your, your points, I like the context that this gives us because it makes for me, it makes his character make more sense and his, his emotionality make more sense throughout the first book because we see him actively trying to overcome it and fake it till he makes it kind of the, the smiling is the biggest one for me where he is constantly genuinely smiling as it's described throughout the first book. And we learn here that it is practiced and learned and intentionally like just smile through it. So seeing, seeing this and seeing him like, really work on it like i said makes him make more sense to me yeah to end up being the character that we know love and eventually dies yep yeah no love and forget (sighs) no love and blends into the background of history having inspired a whole fucking religion like you know we're saying he's he's dead and gone (laughs) but he is ultra present in the stories so all right cool well did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about with the short story i mean it's a short story I think I'd like to do this again with the next one because there's one more short story that I'm cleared to read. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be fun. I don't know when that would happen, but we can, I'm looking we forward can to these that. little short stories. Yeah. Have fun. It has been something that I've been considering since we moved away from the sort of full year of Sanderson by going right into the Stormlight Archive instead doing a detour between Jade City and Lightbringer. Greenboat Saga and Lightbringer, maybe bringing in some of the short stories, but we're going to be reading full books a quarter. So we'll, we'll see. I, I think that one of the things that I definitely want to do is I do definitely want to do a short pour on The Emperor's Soul, which I think is a fantastic novella. It's the one that he won awards for. So it makes sense. Hugo, I think, for short fiction. And there's a couple of other ones that I really like in here. Obviously, we're covering Secret History on the main show, which is a novella that's inside of this book. And when we get to Stormlight, we will be reading the novellas, the like 200 page novellas that fit between books. So those are necessary reading for us. So we'll be tackling those. Cool. Um, as we go. But there are some short stories in here that I would agree with. Pits of Volantia, yeah, we can cover it. I have no problem with that. All right. Um, so, yeah. Sounds good to me. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to check us out on social media. We've got a lot coming out. Clearly, we're working very, very hard. We're recording several times every single week, so we're having a lot of fun with it. But all of it's going to be coming out 
in different forms on the Atomic Pylon Media Network. So keep your ears out. Yeah. And I think next month, I think, be sure to keep an eye out on our Twitter and Instagram. This may or may not change. But I think we're going to do Warbreaker. I think we're going to try to cover cover Warbreaker this next month, which will be a lot of fun to talk and discuss Brandon's second Cosmere standalone novel. There are only two of them, and those are the two. So Elantris and Warbreaker so far. So I think that'll be the game plan. If not, we'll be covering it this fall. So you can definitely anticipate that coming up. But beyond that, you can check out all of the links to everything inside of the show notes. And you can see all of our fancy stuff. You can see the schedule, which is broken. Um, <laughs> it's going to be, but it's there. It's there. You can you can. You can oh, look man. at it. You can you can look at all the way through Hero of Ages. <laughs> if you're if you're trying it's, to to connect with us on social media, we are Words Whiskey Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. You can email us with whatever you want, wild shit if you want, at wordsandwhiskeyshow at gmail.com. Crossland mostly reads that, so whatever wild shit you want to send to him, there you go. And patreon.com forward slash words and whiskey if you want access to Devil's Cuts, which we record before every main show, and a very, very fun community that we've curated on Discord that we are both very present in. Crossland interacts a lot more than I do, but I try. (laughs) I try my best. (laughs) I try (laughs) so hard. Yeah, no, it's totally it's really cool. I would chalk that up more to a work from home job and work from the office job. A work from the office job without access to my phone because I do not get self-service at my desk. Woohoo! We love it. We love it for everyone. But with that said, leave us a review if you can on Apple Podcasts or Spotify wherever you listen to this show. Be sure to check out our main show. We're in the middle of Era 2. At the point that you're listening to this, we haven't finished alloy of law yet because this is coming out this week so i don't know why i was trying to foreshadow we're going to be finishing alloy of law very soon going into shadows of self and the rest of era two so follow along y'all are fun okay i love you yeah see you next week not really next month okay (laughs) okay i love you bye Bye.